0: Welcome to the Singapore Management University podcast series, where we feature the latest insights and perspectives from our faculty. Modern market economies make extensive use of economic and financial forecasts at all levels, from guiding government policy and business decisions to the choices made by individual consumers, savers and investors. Forecasting is a particularly valuable tool for governments and monetary authorities as they formulate policies and strategies for the future. Professor Peter Phillips is Sterling Professor of Economics at Yale University and Distinguished Term Professor of Economics, Keppel Professor of Financial Economics at the Singapore Management University. His research covers many areas of econometrics, its empirical applications and its wider implementations in fields such as communications and environmental science. His latest empirical work includes an econometric analysis of the recent financial and sovereign debt crises, which has led to the development of a new warning alert system for financial market exuberance. Professor Phillips believes that crowd wisdom has a big part to play in economic forecasting, that is, the collective opinion of groups of individuals may be more accurate than the best informed individual or a single economic forecasting model. In this podcast, he shares his insights about crowd wisdom and discusses other key indicators that may point to economic instability in the future. Professor, what role does crowd wisdom play in economic forecasting?
1: Yes, I use this term crowd wisdom to represent the fact that we source uh, information from uh, many different uh, uh, areas in economics and uh, finance rather than narrowly focus uh, on the use of a particular model or a particular data set. Uh, There's some very good reasons for this, uh, the primary one being that uh, all models that we use are... Wrong. They're only approximations Mm -hmm. to reality. They hopefully contain some kernel of truth. Each uh, model has its own kernel of truth and if we can find some way of extracting that kernel of truth in a uh, meaningful way by combining information across models then it's uh, very helpful to us. This idea really goes back to... uh, some uh, fundamental original thinking by Francis Galton who uh, uh, amongst many other things was involved in discovering the importance of uh, hereditary uh, uh, and regression to the mean which is what we all learn about in elementary biology.
0: Coming back to you saying that all models are wrong, why do you say that?
1: Models are just stylized representations of a real-world process. Inevitably, they will be wrong because uh, there are so many interdependent aspects of economic, social, financial activity. And, of course, the world is forever changing. And so it's very difficult to capture these uh, multifarious uh, aspects of uh, reality into a Uh, single structural or reduced form model and because of the fact uh, that we have to address this uh, high level of complexity then it's simpler in a very high dimensional framework which is what we're now working in these days with the big data uh, issues that we have before us is to find simple ways of combining the information that's contained in various dimensions of the data in a productive and constructive way.
0: In economic forecasting, is there a key indicator that points to financial crisis in the future?
1: Well, the history of uh, financial booms and busts shows that uh, human beings um, typically create these, something uh, at the rate of uh, uh, three or four per generation, and Given the fact that this has uh, been historically the case for uh, some four or five hundred years now, uh, and in virtually all of these cases, no one has uh, succeeded in successfully predicting them. Uh, So our chances of doing so in the future are similarly uh, rather limited. However, if we look uh, at the global financial crisis uh, uh, of 2008, for example, Uh, Although most uh, economists and people working in the financial industry had uh, very little idea of um, the impending crisis and the extent of the impact on the real sector of the crisis, there were some individuals who uh, uh, raised uh, alarm. One of my colleagues at Yale, uh, Robert Schiller, pointed to uh, house price inflation as a major issue and there were of course uh, new uh, financial derivatives that some people were were concerned about but there were other people who were making very systematic use of them and in particular the use of credit default swaps uh, uh, for mortgage-based bank securities was a, a strong leading indicator It didn't really appear in anyone's thinking except those who were taking advantage of them. So there were certain knowledgeable individuals who were aware of um, the impending uh, crisis uh, in 2006-2007.
0: Would you say that a build-up in credit can also be an important indicator of impending financial stability in an economy?
1: Yes, it's certainly true that excessive credit creation is uh, one of the major indicators of uh, some financial instability. Uh, Debt is like a drug. When we uh, take a a little bit of it, uh, then it can be very stimulating. It enables us to go out and buy a whole lot of things that we're unable to buy. When uh, debt becomes um, a much larger percentage of our overall uh, uh, financial situation, then it can become uh, very risky. Uh, and this is something that economists have recognised for a long time. Well, cash flow is always an issue. I mean, we see this uh, with uh, the situation that developed post-crisis in in Europe. Uh, cash flow uh, for, in the case of sovereign debt, uh, the fact that people really weren't able to uh, uh, to meet the, their commitments uh, and. The peripheral uh, European countries uh, were very much in that situation and had great difficulty and required uh, a bailout in order to survive. Once again, uh, some people were making very substantial money on credit default swaps against uh, uh, Greek debt.
0: Is there a certain tipping point or trigger point that indicates an impending financial crisis, for instance a certain debt-to-GDP ratio?
1: well economists often say 100% uh, because if you have a 100% uh, debt gdp ratio then in order to uh, run down the debt you have to be uh, uh, growing the economy at something like uh, 4 or 5% a year and most uh, advanced uh, economies uh, aren't growing at anywhere near that rate uh, and so this is seen to be a critical level.
0: On that note we understand that Japan's debt to GDP ratio is way beyond hundred percent. Is that a worrying statistic for the world economy?
1: Oh uh, Yes, uh, ja- Japan has a uh, rather extraordinary debt to GDP ratio, it's certainly around two hundred percent and um, most of that debt is held by people in Japan and uh, they're prepared uh, not to call in the debt. But when the debt is held by other countries, uh, then they may call it in, and that's where the risks lie.
0: Thank you, Professor.